text we're about to read is a story which comes to us after Jesus was crucified. And it's one of the stories of his appearances to people following his crucifixion and his resurrection. And uh, he uh, basically, some of the disciples are walking on this road to a town called Emmaus. There's a man that appears and he starts walking with them. And he says, why are you so sad? And they said, are you the only one that hasn't heard the news? Jesus was crucified. And then after that conversation, this one occurs. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he appeared to be going further. But they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now spent. So he went to stay with them. He was at ta- when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them, who said, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. We're in the second part of a three-part sermon series based on a book by Henry Nouwen called Reaching Out, Three Movements of the Spiritual Life, one of the classics of Christian spirituality. Last week we talked about the movement from loneliness to solitude, from being alone and having it be bad, which we call loneliness, to being able to be alone and have it be good, which we call solitude. And part of our spiritual journey is to be able to move from that experience of loneliness to a place of, of solitude. This week we're going to look at the movement from hostility to hospitality. Hostility is probably uh, an innate human trait. We're somewhat hardwired to be afraid and hostile to those that are strangers. We're tribal creatures. We like our tribe, but we're not sure about yours. And so we tend to be hostile to those people that we do not know. But the Christian life calls us to move from that natural tendency of hostility to what's called hospitality, to an openness and a welcoming of those who are strangers. It's not so much that we can ever find God in our life, but we can create places where God can find us. We can make a place where God can find us. Thomas Merton, the great Christian mystic, said God often finds us in three different places. First, in Scripture, in the stories that we read in the Bible, we can read those and we can get a glimpse of what God is like. God finds us in ourselves. When we create that space in our life and in our hearts through solitude, when we create enough space, God can then come in and fill it with God's Spirit. And then we also find God in the face of the stranger. When we practice hospitality, we see God. There's a common benediction that's used in the church 
that says, Go from this place and welcome the stranger. For once we came as strangers to this world, and we were welcomed, and it made all the difference. If I was invited to be at the, the uh, national prayer breakfast with the congressman and the presidents, that's the benediction I would love to give. Go from this place and welcome the stranger. For once we came as strangers, and we were welcomed, and it made all the difference. To move from the place of hostility to the place of hospitality is not easy. But we need to do it because we have, we can do it because we can acknowledge that we've experienced hospitality. We were welcomed here. Uh, because I don't see very many Native Americans in the audience, I can probably make the statement that just about everybody here came to this country in the last 450 years. Some involuntarily through slavery, but most voluntarily. Most came, some escaping religious persecution. Probably most came for economic gain, to be able to have a better life than where they lived before. I know that's true of my people. Did a little genealogy about my family. It was around 1850 that the McNabs got tired of living in Kalin, Scotland, where it's extremely hard to make a living the soil is rocky, it's not fertile. Just about all you can do is raise sheep and hard to make a living doing that. So they decided that they would give America a try. They got on some boat somewhere. They sailed across, probably came in through New York, and somehow they landed in Springfield, Missouri. And they took up residence there. They lived there for several generations until 1920, and my grandfather heard that there were a lot of jobs out in a place called Phoenix, Arizona, this town that they were building out in the desert. He was a carpenter, and he heard they needed carpenters out there. So he moved his family out to Phoenix, Arizona, where my dad was born and I was born, and we, we were welcomed. To this. We didn't have any applications. We didn't ask anybody's permission. We just came here, and we were welcomed into this country. Our nation needs to ask the question, how do we continue to show hospitality to the world? We have those beautiful words written on the Statue of Liberty. Bring me your poor, your tired, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. How do we ever get from that sentiment to build the wall, build the wall, build the wall? We need to return to the ethic of hospitality that most of us, our families, our ancestors experienced in coming to this place. There's an old tale of ascetic teacher was, was asked the question, when does the night end and the day begin? Somebody said, well, when the sun comes up? No, he said. When you can tell the difference between a man and a tree? No. When you can see a fox run across the road? No. The night ends and the day begins when we see every human being as our brother and sister. Otherwise, it is always night. This monastery out in Danville that we're going to be having the women's retreat at, um, it's, uh, it's called San Damiano. And I remember years ago talking to some of the 
the monks. It's a Benedictine monastery. And, and they said to me, they said, you know, we treat every stranger as if they were Jesus Christ themselves, just in case. That's, that's pretty good. It's sort of like the verse that I listed in your, in your bulletins there, which says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. That you never know if that person that you show hospitality with, you never know if it is an angel or even if it is Jesus. Entertain strangers, Jesus says, is the same as entertaining me. Inasmuch as you do it for them, you do it for me as well. There's a, an amazing story. Uh, it's not a fictional story. It's a true story of, of his life, uh, written by a guy named Richard Selzer, and in, it's in his book, Taking the World in for Repairs. He's a medical doctor, and he writes about different things. He, he has this one story called Diary of an Infidel, Notes from a Monastery. And he writes about a trip that he took over to Venice. And he had a stay at this monastery there. If you've ever been to Venice and been in the major plaza there by the church, San Marco Plaza, when you look out onto the, the water, the first thing you see is this island that's totally covered in a church. And that's where he went. It's the Abbey of San Giorgio Maggiore. Here's what he says. Wanderers know it, beggars, runaways, exiles, fugitives, that if you knock at the door of a monastery seeking shelter, you will be taken in. A bed will be provided, and food and the opportunity, but not the obligation, to pray. Those inside will know it too, the monks, and they will act accordingly. After all, the most unlikely visitor has the possibility of having Christ within him. So the monks are taught, and so they believe. It's evening. I'm standing on the pier in San Marco in Venice. If I have been fleeing, it is from no physical hardship, but only from the dilemma of life. In my haste, I have made no hotel reservation. For some hours, I have traipsed from one pension to another. No luck. What is that place out in the bay? I ask a stranger. And I point to a small island, every inch of which is occupied by a great church and attached buildings. Oh, that's the Abbey of San Giorgio Maggiore, he tells me. And all at once, I know it is the place that I have been seeking. I know it is that place that I have been seeking. And so I cross the great stone terrace and I rap on the door. He takes the boat over there. He goes up to the place. A monk in a loose floor-length habit flows about his legs. I am a wayfaring stranger seeking shelter, I say. I would like to stay in your guest house. I am Don Pietro, the guest ma master, he says in English, without the least bit of surprise. He does not ask my name or whether I am expected. I will show you to your room. When he gets to the room, he says, enter Christ. Well, not exactly, I say. 400 years ago, the abbot himself would have come to bathe your feet. How long have you guys been here, I ask. We have been here a thousand years. He goes on, and he actually ends up staying there for a month and has some amazing, amazing experiences there. He is given hospitality. He is welcomed in. He's shown that he is, he is welcome there. Now, what's interesting is you and I probably will not have the experience of somebody knocking at our door and saying, 
I am a wayfaring stranger. I would like to stay at your house tonight. That hasn't happened often to me. But when you look at the list of things in the bulletin, you have so many opportunities to show hospitality. When you take the, the stuff to the refugee task force to welcome Afghan families into the country, you're showing hospitality. When you sign up to serve at Hope Cafe in Oakland, you're showing hospitality. When you teach, when you tutor a child at an Oakland school, you're showing, all of those are opportunities to show hospitality. We have many of them. And part of the, our measurement of our spiritual maturity will be if we move toward that, from hostility to hospitality. There's a beautiful image of hospitality in Psalm 23. We say it every time that we say that, but often we don't recognize it. You know the line that says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies? You know what that's about? There's a rule at that time called the law of the desert. And when you were camping in the desert, and if somebody was being chased by an enemy, they were running, they were a fugitive. If they came into your encampment that night, you had to welcome them in and give them hospitality. And the enemies had to stay outside as far as the light of the campfire would, would go. So here you are, you've made it safe, and they've laid out a table before you of food in the presence of those enemies that are back in the shadows, in the darkness. That's what God offers to us, a table before me in the presence of our enemies. That's what it means. And then we have the, the image in our text today. They walk with Jesus. They don't recognize him. They have no idea who this man is that's talking to them. But they invite him in. They're having dinner together. He takes the bread and he breaks it. And all of a sudden, they see. This is Jesus. Jesus is here. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. That's part of the symbolism of whenever we have communion here. The hope is that in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup, that Jesus will be made known to us and we will feel his presence in our life and his power and his spirit that we will know those things. What are the barriers to us making this movement toward hospitality? Probably number one is fear, isn't it? It's just the idea of that we're afraid. I mean, nobody picks up hitchhikers anymore, do they? It used to be a common thing. Why don't people do that anymore? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. Fear is always the, the enemy of hospitality. Violence, unfortunately, creates fear. Then fear creates hostility. It's a constant battle to try to fight against that. It's, it's not anything new. Do you realize that in the story of the Good Samaritan, when, when Jesus told about the guy who comes across the, the beat-up comes across the beat-up guy by the side of the road. He gets off his donkey, which makes him vulnerable, because there could be other robbers hiding there, waiting for the next guy to come along. He gets off his donkey, he kneels down, he helps the guy. He has to fight against the fear that he is making himself vulnerable to help somebody else. It probably always is going to be that choice in some ways. So fear is the enemy of hospitality. Also, perhaps, an, an enemy is to not even know hospitality when we see it. 
to not be fully aware that we're in, in the presence. You, those of you that know me know that one of my heroes is David Livingston, the great Scottish missionary doctor who spent 30 years in Africa trying to stop the slave trade, trying to, to spread Christianity, trying to help people. He, he did all kinds of good things. And he has one of the stories is, is that um, when he was traveling into a new territory, a new kingdom headed by a new chief, he, you have to go through a protocol when you do this. And he knows the protocol. So you stop at the edge of the territory. You send somebody in to announce your presence. And then the chief comes and greets you and eventually gives you permission to come. But before you do that, as part of the ceremony, you lay out all of your possessions and you give a gift to the chief that he gets to choose. So David Livingston lays out his books, his medical equipment, his clothes even, and the goat that was giving him milk to help his stomach, because his stomach was really bad from drinking the water there, so he would drink this goat milk to help him. So he lays out all of the stuff, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, the chief chooses the goat. And David Livingston is so upset. He gets, in turn for the goat, he gets a carved stick, shaped like a walking stick. And Livingston is so disappointed, he begins to gripe to God about what he viewed as a stupid walking cane, and what could it do for him compared to the goat whose milk was keeping him well. And then one of the local men explained, that's not a walking cane. That's the chief's very own scepter. And with it, you will find entrance to every village in our land. And you will be given whatever you need, including goats. The king has honored you greatly. It's possible to be shown hospitality and to not even realize it. The other barrier to hospitality is one that we're all familiar with, and it's just busyness. We get so busy that uh, we don't have time to do it. I've mentioned to you before Robert Putnam's book, Bowling Alone, where he, he chronicles the decline of humanitarianism in uh, American society. Social interaction. And you can measure it in stuff like people bowling in leagues versus bowling alone. They actually have been able to track <clears throat> um, the, the amount of people who throw dinner parties. Did you know that 20 years ago, people threw twice as many dinner parties as they do nowadays? Inviting people over, having people into your house, having dinner. It used to be a, an extremely common thing. People would do it all the time. And nowadays, it's become kind of rare to be, to be able to be invited to somebody else's home, to have dinner with them. Why? It's just busyness, isn't it? It's just busyness. So what are the bridges to hospitality? Well, one is knowing who your neighbor is. Knowing who your neighbor is. When the, Jesus was asked to give a definition of neighbor, the lawyer went to him and said, uh, who is my neighbor? I think he expected some sort of a le legal definition, like, well, the neighbor is somebody who lives, you know, f four houses down the street, you know, on either side. That's your neighbors. That's who they are. Um, and uh, some sort of definition like that. But it turns out that Jesus then tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which basically the answer is, your neighbor is anyone who needs you. 
So he doesn't know this guy by the side of the road. He has no idea who he is, but he is his neighbor because he is in need. His very need makes him your neighbor. That's who it is. And we have to, to, to have somebody as a neighbor, to really be a neighbor to somebody, we have to know what hurts them. Once you know who your neighbor is, you need to know what hurts them. In fact, you don't even know me until you know what hurts me. Dr. Carl Menninger, the psychiatrist, was asked, what's the most important task as a psychiatrist? He said diagnosis. Because without the right diagnosis, the wrong treatment will be given. The word diagnosis comes from gnosis, knowledge, and dia, through and through. Knowing through and through. The ultimate gift we give to make the stranger a friend is to know through and through who they are and what hurts them. And then knowing how to be poor in spirit, Jesus starts off the Sermon on the Mount by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What an opening line. Poor in spirit means to live without the need for your own righteousness. No outer need for your own reputation. Often we see this hospitality modeled in the faces of the poor. I know many of you have experienced that. In 1978, I went on my very first Mexico trip. I was a youth minister in Concord, took some kids down. We built the same exact houses that our kids build now, the two-room wood houses with the Moore Ministries. And I'll never forget the family that we were helping. They had in their house two cans of beans. They opened them, heated them, and shared them with us. The hospitality of those who had nothing. Years later, when my daughters would go to Mexico, they would come home with the same stories. Dad, you know the family we were helping? They made dinner for us. Or they made lunch for us. They didn't have anything. But they somehow went out and got food and shared it with us. Many of you have have told those kind of stories from your own experience with the poor, whether it's Africa or Mexico or whatever. And so often, in giving and breaking bread with those in need, suddenly the Christ that we have looked for becomes apparent to us. Just like on the road to Emmaus, often in in the presence of sharing together, in the hospitality, that is the place where we see the face of Christ in our life. Amen.